0: Welcome everybody. My name is Pat Bryan. I'm performance director and co-founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. Now I'm delighted to be joined by someone who has become a dear friend of mine uh dr vince marcel of infinity bike seat and uh, uh we're going to take you through um as you as you can probably tell by the name of the, the the episode uh learning how to get uh your your maximum vo2 uptake so dr vince for those who uh, who haven't heard our previous podcast episode where we talked about uh uh, gut and uh, all things internal. Um, why don't you give, uh, give our listeners a, a couple of minutes of who you are and uh, that epic seat that uh, you, you so fantastically designed?
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me today. Uh, my name is Dr. Vince Marcel. I practice here in El Segundo, California, and been a chiropractor uh, for the last 25 years, nutritionist, homeopathic, doing herbology uh, studying acupuncture and just uh, been a triathlete for about the same amount of time and uh, about seven years ago got ran off the road uh, landed on my head herniated three discs in my neck and I couldn't hold my head out over the bars getting ready for a full vine man up in central northern california and uh, my wife said well I guess you got in time to invent that infinity bike seat now and so here we are now it's It's a year in 2020 and uh, last year got voted uh, top five short nose saddles uh, for 2019 and uh, getting to meet you and learning and just sharing what we do, not just from a seat wise, but sharing nutritionally wise. You know, there's people go, okay, now I've got a great seat, but I still seem not to be able to get my max. And that's where we start sharing with people uh, functional medicine. Uh, function i should say functional measure, functional nutrition with people uh and you know such as the people as marco ballo christian hobsonson uh just a lot of top athletes in the ultra distance world
0: absolutely and uh yeah like you said that's how how we met was um was through my uh desire to try your your amazing saddle out and i can honestly say it's a total game changer and i think uh, you need to look at some of the world's top ultra-endurance athletes who uh, obviously spend a considerable amount of uh, time to to know that you've got probably the best one out there because it's the, it's the most common, so so kudos on that um thank you but well yeah of course uh but today obviously talking about uh increase in um vo2 max in terms of how people could do this now you have a really interesting story behind how you developed this um and it, it starts with with you uh, uh having childhood asthma so um why don't you uh take us through that uh, that journey
1: Well, you know, just uh, as a kid, um, having asthma not able to do a lot of sports, not being, you know, trying, you know, we still run up and down the court still, you know, playing with your friends, but I'm the one bent over hands on knees and trying to gasp for air. And then you run the next play. And, you know, my friends would, and I would, you know, bring our basketball, our football, our mitts and gloves and bats. And we'd just be at the park all day playing, you know, either on the tarmac or in the grass. And so all the pollens that come in um, just would be shutting down my airways and had no idea. And it was just called asthma. And, you know, I'm fit almost 60 years old. And when we were dealing with asthma, there was, you know, drink hot water, drink. Uh, teas with honeys and, and thyme. And so there wasn't any inhalers to be had. There wasn't, you just sort of sucked it up and waited six to eight hours and you sort of got through it. And uh, as time has progressed and being an adult and practicing and understanding how the body works, I found that there were some tr- uh, key triggers that could cause cellular tissue, your red blood cells that carry oxygen to your viable muscle tissue to allow that transport, to allow you to have ATP, adenotriphosphate, to be able to generate, to be able to give you energy to have your performance and finding out that when you eat certain foods, when you are around certain uh, organic products uh, trees, bushes, grasses, they can cause an inflammatory process, which can cause the body to decrease its VO2. So spending almost, uh, you know, been dealing with hyperbaric oxygen treatments now for the last 15 years. So constantly learning, uh, checking how the blood looks from using the hyperbarics, looking at nutrition. Um, we've sort of identified a lot of of basic things that we do in our day-to-day life and that was what helped me uh, become a better cyclist it allowed me to become a better runner it allowed me to be a better swimmer and you know going from just being at the at the end of the pack to being in the middle and two-thirds of the pack so I've been very pleased uh, with some of the results and as well as seeing some of our top athletes uh, Marco Ballo Starting when we worked with him three years ago and him being at doing 508 miles in uh, 24 hours and then the following year doing 510 and then the following year after that doing 514. So 50, 51, 52. As he's getting older, he's getting better. So, those are the things that we like looking at. And it's, you know, we sometimes, as we get older, we sort of just chalk up that our decreased performance is just age based, and which it's uh, a part of that, but it's a uh, really understanding uh, what we're putting into our body on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. I think that uh, um, while there, of course, is um, a, a decrease in, in potential um performance uh, as you get older it doesn't mean that you are limited it just means that you might need to be a bit more creative in the way that you uh release that performance benefits so Mm -hmm. your 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 asthma as a child and a young adult has led you to develop these ideas so obviously this there'll be a lot of people that don't have asthma or um and maybe they have an inhaler because we know that there's uh, some a lot of uh, a lot of um uh usage of subutamol and stuff like that in, yes. in professional and recreational cycling but but this this what we 're going to talk about today this doesn't you don't need to be an asthmatic you don't this is gonna this this will help everybody right
1: yes exactly and it just it comes down to some basic keys um of understanding uh your blood type understanding the foods that we put in and it's our environment it's our 2020 environment of how foods are procured uh here in the united states
0: absolutely so so tell us a little bit about that then what what's the the risks um and the concerns
1: well the you know we live in such a a fast society so people are trying you know one of the biggest things you know when the things that we talked about before you know the difference of going out to dinner in Europe and going out to de- dinner here in the states in the states we're you know 30 45 minutes for dinner and we're out and when you're in Europe you're you're spending an evening it's a social event 3 hours or so you're slowly taking in food you're taking time to enjoy company here it's a, it's a mission it's a it's a it's a way of just sort of getting it in and getting it out and so and it's unfortunate cuz now you look at one of some of the biggest companies that are growing so fast is because people don't have time now they're grub hubbing it or doing other delivery services from restaurants. Yes. They're better than just going ahead and having your, um, you know, just your pizza delivery. Um, but there's still foods that have to be turned over. They're not as well, uh, maintained and you're not getting them hot and fresh. And so, There's a portion of our digestive tract not being able to process, and unfortunately, we don't know because we're relying on other people cooking our food. We don't know if those foods have hormones in them, how they're being produced. And when that happens and you're tired and you're exhausted, your cortisol levels are higher, meaning that how your body is able to process and digest food. If I'm in a stressful situation, my body's going to be more in a fight or flight situation. Where if I'm cooking food, I'm at home, I'm relaxing, I'm shut down from work a little bit. I'm getting into the process of cooking. I'm getting ready to have family time around the table, and that allows the body to the creosol levels to start to decrease. Allows me. I know where I'm getting my food if I'm shopping, uh, whether at an organic market or I'm you know Whole Foods or some place where I know that I don't have. Uh, grass-fed beef versus beef or chicken or other uh, proteins that have certain amount of hormones inside there so that when you have a certain amount of hormones inside an adult body your body when we're younger we're growing we're having these growth so we can sort of adapt a bit as we get older we will start to go ahead and build up sort of a level of toxicity from these extra growth hormones that can go ahead and cause cellular tissue, your, uh, the red blood cells to start sticking together, the way that we're processing and digesting, uh, then it causes a limitation of O2. So just for your listeners, every red blood cell has the ability to carry six, has six doors binding sites for oxygen. But if, a red, if two red blood cells stick together, if four red blood cells, if a, a, a series of red blood cells are sticking together, that's less binding sites. And so if you're doing any type of athletic event – you will sometimes begin to feel uh, where you're beginning to bonk after a certain amount of time or you're starting to build up lactic acid inside the tissue because of that transport of oxygen to the cellular tissue is not as grand as the oxygen that you're taking in. And that's what they talk about, the volume of O2. You might be breathing in, but you're not maximizing all six doors on that red blood cell carrying that oxygen to cellular tissue as well as what happens is sometimes you're getting CO2 out of the body. So they talk about a tidal volume, a tidal volume of air in and a tidal volume of air out. And that sometimes in the case of the asthmatic, that person is not able to get a full breath out. And so they start to turn a little blue because they have cyanosis. That's where um, And most people think it's not getting enough oxygen in. It's really not getting enough CO2 out. So the body becomes toxic inside. But there's, you know, we we were just at the Borrego Springs last year and there was a cyclist that was having issues and very strong athlete. But she was having issues where she was feeling like she was uh, not able to get a full breath. She was having uh, issues where she was throwing up. If you have any type of acid reflux, if you go ahead and have any type of GERD, that's gastroesophageal reflux disorder, you're going to go ahead the, the, because the stomach is so acidic. When you're inhaling, you're changing the pH of your lung tissue. So some people might not connect acid reflux with decreased VO2 as well. So it's not just foods; it's really making sure how we're processing and digesting, as well as allowing the whole circulatory system to be able to process and gastrointestinal tract.
0: Fantastic, or well, not fantastic in some respects. Um, the, the 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 athlete that you mentioned at the the six, twelve, twenty-four worlds. Um, were you able to help her? Uh, just just to elaborate on that story.
1: I was not. Uh, she was just gung ho, and she just had, you know, she was using her nebulizer and she was mm. going through the process. Be- and so uh, it was one of her uh, crew chiefs that had asked me to come over and to give people the help. And she was just fighting, just like I was a kid with my hands on my knees. She was just fighting through it, um, working in a depreciated oxygen environment. But we have, we've had other anime from from. Uh, you know, from Italy a few years ago that was going ahead and having issues where she bonked after 18 hours and her metabolism was not going ahead and processing and she was not getting VO2 max because her essential fatty acids had been depleted. So it's not just always about oxygen, but it's about the other essential nutrients that the body needs. In her case, we were able to help her out and she had such a lead where she was ready to tap out and dnf where within 15 minutes we were able to get her back on the bike and she was able to finish in third place
0: oh, fantastic i the reason i bring that up is that i would like to uh, possibly explore whether it's a, something that is uh, and it probably does take an incident for an athlete to take it seriously but i, I guess that it's more of a You've got to be proactive with this rather than reactive. And once you're in a situation where you're racing already and you start to have these problems, it's probably not necessarily too late, but uh, but it's uh, it's something that you need to address much like you would your training. Is that right?
1: Most definitely. And like you said, we don't know that we have a problem. Um, it, but what happens like, if you were to go ahead and get a VO2 max test, basically they just ask you to fast four hours before you go ahead and get the test done they're not taking into any accounts of your diet. They're not taking any accounts. You know, as as I see a lot of great athletes and, you know, the, a lot of them being younger. And so they, you know, maybe, you know, have some alcohol or do some things. So if, for your listeners, I would really think about having, if I'm going to spend the money and time to find out my performance level, I want to be as clean as possible, not just four hours before an event, but it takes, you know, Anywhere from 72 hours to a week to allow your blood to go ahead and get as healthy as possible for the foods that you're eating. So if you go ahead two days previous, if you have a couple beers, that's going to have some extra yeast inside your digestive tract and your colon. It's going to throw the normal floor of the gastrointestinal tract off. So you won't get the best VO2 response um, depending on how the normal floor of the digestive tract is able to um, work. So – uh, you know, you have a celebration of having cake, or so it's a really thinking about 90 to 120 days, you get a whole new set of blood cells, and that's really going to go ahead. So sometimes you might get a. what I'm trying to get to is you might get a false positive on your VO2 max test that it wasn't as good as you thought. Now, when you go ahead and deal with the people that are, you know, I, I say it's sort of like a 70 30, uh, 70 27 3 rule, you have 70% of the population that is your average riders, and you have 27% of the patient, the clients that are going ahead and working their butts off to become 3% of the industry, of the pros. So when you start looking at the pros, they're already living. They're, that's their livelihood. So they have to eat as clean as possible and train as hard as possible because that's their work. When we have us, the 70% of the population, we're going to go ahead and try to work, get better. We're trying to do a little things, but we go our discipline might not be as strong. And then you have 27% that is working on creating that discipline that is trying to be as clean as possible, but doesn't know some of the nuances and is trying to uh, just go what uh, some of the pros are doing or some of the nutrients are taking. And we don't really, we're sort of guessing. We don't have a, uh, we have some nutritional basics. We have, you know, what vitamins are good for us. We have Uh, What foods generally are good for us, but sort of the whole lifestyle and that commitment uh, of being as clean as possible uh, might not fall through. And then sometimes we have those hiccups and we don't know why we have those hiccups.
0: That's right. How how much do you want it? That's the question, yes, isn't it, Doctor? Exactly. Vince? It really is. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, you're you're totally right. If you're getting paid to uh if you're getting paid to ride a bike or a triathlete or whatever, then yeah, realistically you've got an obligation to your, your employer, haven't you, to, to treat your yep. body as well as possible. But but the seventy percent of us who uh um, are essentially uh, amateur recreational um, athletes uh, who are unlikely to ever earn a, a proper income from it. It's how much do you balance your day to day life uh, and the sport that you obviously love because um, you wouldn't do it because you're not you're not employed to do it. So you're only doing it because you you love or love it or it's good for you or something. So right. how do you how do you balance that? But let's talk a, a little bit about um, what what are the symptoms. Uh, just so that we could be super clear, some of the symptoms that might be present in someone who wasn't quite as, uh, maybe doesn't even have asthma, but somebody right. who who is walking around day to day, and they think that they're uh, they're they're eating really reasonably clean, not as perfect as they possibly could, but but they're not sick neither. What but what symptoms might they have where it actually they they could be doing a lot better?
1: Um, some of the things are really some basic things that people know if you have body odor that's going to go ahead and be bacteria breaking down if you have some stinky feet that's going to go ahead and show that you're having some issues with fermentation if you go ahead and when you do a number two if you're going to go ahead and if it has a loft to it if it makes you go sort of cringe a little bit or anybody else walking by the bathroom as most of us been in public bathrooms we know um, that shows that there's dysbiosis, means irregular gut uh, because of disharmony of the normal bioflora inside the gut. So if we go ahead and if you notice that sometimes by the end of a day or after a meal, when you breathe in, they call, they call rails and crackles. You, like at the end of your inhalation, you have like a little – like almost – it's a, a little crackle. It's a, almost like taking um, popping paper. And those are showing where the pH of the lungs are not working to their best. And that's usually after we've taken in foods from breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks and drinks and everything. Those things cause the body to have that lung, that sound or shortness of breath sometimes. And people won't. And here's a really simple one. If you eat something and then all of a sudden you start clearing your throat afterwards or it's for... 30 minutes to 60 minutes, you're that's the body creating a mucus layer trying to protect the tissue along the esophageal area. The body is is having this gas, having this reaction to certain foods. If you go ahead and you eat a certain food and you feel sleepy after that, that means the body had to go ahead and expend a bunch of minerals to process that food you just took in. So these are some of the basic components that we sort of look at. If you're belching, if you're talking and you're finding yourself having to cover your mouth because you have a gas bubble coming up, some doctors might say, well, that's just because the person's talking fast. But it's really where food is, is off-gassing in the stomach, which is causing that person to feel like they have a gas bubble and they burp up while they're talking. If they have flatulence, if they're on a regular basis and they have flatulence then that's another component of showing disharmony inside the gut. If we go ahead and we notice that the, when we do a number two, if it's, if it's, it's, if it's runny, if, it's, if you notice balls, Those are all either dehydration or the body says, this is so dirty, I don't want to reabsorb it. So it should have a nice continuity. It should be like a centipede through your digestive tract moving and all the muscles are working in harmony. There's not an extra gas buildup because of the normal flora is out of sync. So those are some of the the basic simple things. And I just had one, but it just sort of slipped out of my head. Maybe I'll bring it back. Um, But these are, if you notice that when you're riding, on you're on a road bike or a TT bike, and you find yourself. What people don't know is that right at the base of your rib cage is where your diaphragm is, and your esophagus has to go through your diaphragm. If I'm sitting on my seat and if I'm trying to be as aggressive on my bike as possible, and I drop into the the arrow bars or into the drop bars, I can, I'm really bringing the rib cage into my digestive tract, and sometimes that can put pressure onto the esophagus but what it also does at the lower portion of your neck as you're trying to look up the road you're causing the lower portion of your neck to sort of cause more of an arc and what it does it puts pressure onto the nerve roots and you have seven bones in your neck three of them being c345 keeps the diaphragm alive so if i have any neck issues I put pressure on those dorsal ganglia on those nerve supply that goes to my diaphragm that can change some areas as well. So that's, you know, coming a little bit around to what I do is also in a lot of other is a bike fit is very important to how you're being comfortable, not just with your seat, but making sure you have the proper biomechanics. So this allows you to go ahead and have your body not working in a protective state while pedaling, but having a fluid motion while you're pedaling.
0: Absolutely. So I I guess now the next step for us would be to discuss how people can remedy this. And you mentioned their bike fitting could be could be the first one, but uh, or one of them. Um, What what about I mean, how does somebody and it might be a simple answer here, it might be a very complicated answer. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Um, How does somebody identify what it is that they're actually eating um, that is causing some of these symptoms that we've just discussed?
1: Well, it's you know it's sort of a silent inflammation. You, like you said before in the last question, we sometimes you don't know what we're eating. Now, there's a really simple book by Eat Right for Your Blood Type, and I, I highly recommend people just getting the little four-by-six pamphlet book that talks about their blood type, because a lot of times you can go ahead, you get the, the full book that has everybody's blood type, you'll get overwhelmed. And I say start off slow, and it really sort of, and it's not, and he even says he gets it 70% right. But it's looking at what foods are highly beneficial for me, what foods are neutral, and what to avoid. And when I say that, let's just use a a dollar figure. If it takes me a dollar to break down, let's say, uh, a turkey breast, or I'm breaking it down, but that that nutrients in that turkey gives me $2 worth of energy, that's highly beneficial. If it takes me a dollar and I only get a dollar's worth, that means it's neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's that we broke even. Foods to avoid, if I go ahead and take a dollar to break it down and I only get 50 cents, that's in a negative and I'm sort of working backwards. So uh, that's a really simple book to start helping people really understand their blood type. For those that don't know what their blood type is and because what happens, go, oh, I just want to have my blood work done, so I'll go ahead and ask them. Unless you've asked them to go ahead and tell you what the blood is, your blood type is. They they don't check for that. Unless you're going ahead to go give blood, then you would get that number on your your uh, your letter on your card. Um, they have a little, I think it's like ten bucks, um, and it's a little kit that you can order to check your blood type. And it really helps the the novice and intermediate person trying to figure out their nutrition. Uh, it allows them to go ahead and start to. Put the pieces of the puzzle together of why they sort of bonked on a, a ride or so. But getting to those those symptoms to understand, that's, a, that's really a nice beginning step to understand the foods that work well for your blood type. It's almost like having a race car. A race car doesn't perform well with unleaded gas, and a, and a regular uh, compact car is not going to be working on a race fuel. So it's really understanding – what your fuel, and, we, and I always say this, is that your blood is your black box of your airplane. And the symptomatology or the lack of symptoms that you get where you don't know there's a problem going on, it then goes ahead and we just are guessing. We're just going ahead and seeing what the the head of the pack is doing and trying to follow their lead. Um, but what I was talking about, what I, I just remembered earlier, Another, uh, another way of noticing if you have anything going on uh, with your digestive tract is in the morning you wake up and you go, oh, I've got my sort of my flat belly back. And then by the evening, all of a sudden, poof, you sort of bloat out. And that's just another way that foods are not fully breaking down the carbohydrates, the proteins, and the fats. So going back to the, the basics of the, looking at the blood type, going ahead and, you know, having smaller meals – and going ahead and having more consistency of those meals, meaning that instead of having three larger meals, maybe I'm having six smaller meals. I'm, I'm not continuously, maybe tell like every couple hours or so, you're just fueling the system. It allows the digestive tract not to have to work so hard, especially in most of us are working eight hours a day. And so to go ahead and to be only reliant on that lunch um, or that breakfast or that dinner, it, it sort of puts us at a disadvantage if we're already working behind the eight ball.
0: Completely agree. I think there's some some great uh, some great ways we can start getting the listeners to think about this. So uh, the first one, uh, get that. And sorry, remind me again what was the the name of the book? It's called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna get we're gonna get the book, um, and then we're we're going to look about uh, a bit more detail in in sort of digestion. And are you a fan of maybe elimination diets or anything like that? You know, we're guessing, right? And so
1: it's when you start looking, this book really helps you try to identify. Now, as he said, he gets it 70 percent right, Dr. Damo. And so when we go ahead, like it says me being a a type A, I shouldn't have red meat, but I need a little bit of red meat when I'm training hard Um, and I haven't been able to figure out how to balance my plant source bases uh, to get that extra protein. Um, when going ahead and, and training. So I, it, now the other component, as we get older and we're not, you know, if you're say, if you're a person that's doing 50 to hundred miles a week on a bike, that's, that's a good output, but make sure that we're the, the amount of food that you're taking in, in one setting um is is appropriate for the amount of output that you're putting out and there's sometimes what we have to be also careful if we just get off of the proteins for a second if we think about grains you know sometimes we go ahead and we try to do natural things so we think okay i've got me eating cautious cereal well that's owned by some major corporations and so does a lot of the, the grains that we take in do they play nicely together so, you know, from a homeopathic standpoint of view, I try not to blend more than three items together, whether it be a smoothie, whether it be making my own bar, whether it be making my own goo for my, when I'm uh, on the bike. So factor three means I'm going to have about th- nine different processes of how the body has to go ahead and break that down, the chemical reactions. If you go ahead in that book, it's also going to tell you, does a, a, um, a sunflower seed butter work better for me? Or does a cashew butter or a uh, peanut butter different omegas, right? Omega threes, you have your omega sixes, your omega nines for your essential fatty acids, proteins, a little bit of sugar in there. So there's lots of thought process on how the culmination of foods, uh, to, just uh, on on flip on that or be on top of that, is like if you go to creations, great place, love it. But when I see 12 items all blended in this high blender moving things around, maybe individually by themselves are great, but they do they all play nicely together when I start blending them together and changing the chemistry. And now my digestive tract has to figure that out. And so I think sometimes we just put it in the hole and we figure the body will figure out what to do with it. And I think we just need to take a little bit more hand on approach and start to learn a little bit about how our personal system works.
0: Listeners, I bet you weren't thinking that we would go a, a whole nearly 40 minute podcast episode talking about maximum VO2 and not mention training once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's exactly. Everybody thinks you guys yeah. train harder, your incline's got to be greater, and the intervals, right? And so. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, well done, Vince. Um, so, Vince, uh, we like to, I'm putting you on the spot here, I know, we like to challenge yeah. our uh, listeners every week in our, in our uh, spokes. Um, performance training advice facebook group we uh we set our uh our community a challenge and it's uh linked to the, the 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 title or the the topic of the podcast so totally on the spot here um what would uh what would you like to challenge people to to do i would like people to
1: challenge themselves to do a food log Um, most of us, if we don't, you know, most of us write down what our training schedule is, what our reps, our turns, our intervals, what we're doing, but I would really like you to go ahead and, and challenge yourself to be more disciplined with the times that you take your food in to go ahead and looking at the foods. Because if you had a great performance this week, what did I eat? If I didn't have such a good response, if I have sort of bonked this week, what did I eat? And not just only eat, but what was the week like? Did I have a lot more meetings? Was my kid sick? Did it cause me to go into an emotion? So your food log, your journal will allow you to go ahead and know the footsteps of the past to understand where you are in the present to help dictate the future.
0: That is a fantastic challenge. I really like it, and listeners obviously do do feel free to to join our Facebook group and uh, uh, where we can uh, have everybody posting their their food logs for the for the day and how they're feeling and any, any learnings they find. But also, uh, if you if you're not on Facebook or you just like to do these things alone, please do dig in and uh, and actually take on Dr. Vince's challenge. Uh, Vince, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And listeners, uh, uh, as ever, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do make sure you share it with your friends. Leave us a little thumbs up or a comment or a like or a, rev- a review, depending on which platform you're on. Uh, and definitely, definitely do not forget to subscribe because I can pretty much guarantee we'll have you back on at some point, Dr. Vince, because I really enjoy uh, really enjoy our conversation. I look forward to it. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody. Listeners, my name is Pav Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes, and you are listening to bespoke